Hello, everyone, and welcome to Think Yourself Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Heather Duranja. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. On today's episode of Think Yourself Healthy, we have a special guest. Her name is Amy Guero. Amy helps humans in recovery heal past traumas, release shame, guilt, overthinking, and all the things that hold them back from healthy relationships with money, sex, pleasure, business, and beyond. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being here. And I'm feeling a bit targeted right now because I think everything on this list is something that I've had to overcome specifically in like the last 12 years. So I am so excited to have a conversation with you today and dive deep into all of these things. So thank you for being with us. Mm, Thank you. Oh, I love our energy together already. I know. I'm feeling it. (laughs) I am so feeling it. So Amy, tell me, tell the audience a little bit about you and what brought you to this place, how you started doing this work. Yeah. Um, you know, I went on a journey. I'll, I'm going to give you all the like very short version of it. Cause there's so many good things for us to talk about today. So my story is very important, but I can give you a very cliff noted version. <laughs> so long story short is I've been on this journey of like, mm, trauma lives in my body. I didn't really ever find the mentors exactly to guide me there in a way that I wanted to. So I started as I am guiding myself mm-hmm. through yoga, through somatic experiencing, through all these different things, through hallucinogens, mm-hmm. through partying, of course, because I knew that this trauma was there. Mm-hmm. Partying always worked the fastest, right? To just make it go away, but also like expand my mind and allow me to like be who I was in my essence, but I, I needed to numb parts of me to allow other parts of me to come out. Mm-hmm. And around 35 or 36, I was like, I was making this list of all of the things that I thought would heal me so that I could step into my forties and like have all my trauma healed. Right. Well, <laughs> I made the list. I started on the things and I found my birth mom. And shortly after that, I became chemically dependent on alcohol, like real deal, chemically dependent, like no joke, could not like function without the chemical in my body. That's how dependent I was. Mm-hmm. And when I became dependent, um, it was so confusing mm-hmm. because I didn't understand the modalities of, of, of sobriety that were being taught to me in the treatment centers, in the 12-step programs. I did all of the programs. Mm -hmm. Um, I read all of the books. Like I've been this, you know, very intelligent, you know, go-getter entrepreneur my whole life. So I was like, well, I'm going to digest all of this information, but the shame and the guilt that those programs brought into my nervous system activated all of my trauma and put my protective mechanisms right back up. Yeah. And so it was just a really confusing two years, but the very first treatment center I went to, I started writing like how I thought recovery could look like for me. Okay. And this was in 2014. And that's how the business of my business that I have now got started. It's like, okay, this doesn't work, but this does. I don't agree with this language because it's not nervous system friendly, but this does. And so I started basically rewriting a program, but I felt alone and isolated and all of the things in that. 
So it took about two years for me to stay stopped from the substance. There was several suicide attempts in mm -hmm. those couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then in 2016, I was just like, not dying. And I actually called a treatment center not far from you in Hemet. Mm -hmm. And I got really, I was already really, really drunk. I got really, really drunk. And I was like, this is going to be the last time I do this. And I went there and, and they, they saw my passion mm -hmm. and they let me do things. I had to go to group. I had to do all the things to tick all the boxes for insurance, right. but they let me do my own thing. They, they gave me a room to study in. They gave me a lot of autonomy and I started my business three months later. Wow. That is beautiful. And I applaud you for having the courage, the bravery to give yourself the permission to seek something so much bigger and truly have the ability to step into your power. A lot of us don't give ourselves that permission and we hold ourselves back and we keep staying stuck in the negative loop over and over. And in my opinion, a lot of it has to do with um, <clears throat> starting with forgiveness, you know? We have to forgive ourselves for what brought us to that place. And if we can't surrender to that, um, we're going to find ourselves repeating the process over and over and over again. And usually they have pretty negative outcomes. It either ends in death by suicide or, you know, an overdose. Um, it's, it's really sad. Yeah. But it doesn't and have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And Heather, like, oh, I just like total feel what you just said and want to tell the listeners like when I when I really allowed myself even if all of the white coats I call them like I love clinical like I think clinical works in so many different capacities that it, it wasn't working to see me mm -hmm. and when I kicked away what the white coats were saying to me and was like I have physiology like yeah. actual physiology that yeah. doesn't agree with this Right. You forcing me to ignore my physiology is not going to work. Absolutely. Right. You telling me to call myself something that I phys physiology like says no. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, but I'm an alcoholic. Right. No, it, 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 it wasn't going to actually land <sighs> and be who I am if I ignored my physiology. Oh, come on. Tell oh, me. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, you have, like, I am literally like over here. Oh. What you just said, how, you know, you being in a situation where you're being encouraged to call yourself an alcoholic and then everything within your physical body is going, no, this doesn't feel right. This for me is a big, uh, a big place to speak about, because in my opinion, I feel like with the way that a lot of our facilities protocols work, they're holding us back. Right. And if we're constantly attaching our identity to being an alcoholic, that subconscious brain is always going to want to pull us back into its core belief of being the alcoholic. And so I really encourage people, you know, go through the process, do the steps, whatever you have to do. But there does come a point where you're going to have to release that identity of being the alcoholic or the heroin addict or whatever it might be in order to truly allow yourself to expand into your new reality. Otherwise, that subconscious brain is going to constantly trigger the central nervous system and bring it back to its baseline state of survival in order to get its fix of chemicals. Absolutely. And that's why the going back to the old coping mechanism is so uh, such a big part of what people call recovery. And I'm like, it, it, 
you know, I did it for sure based on I was going against my physiology. Right. And like, you know, something I just want to introduce early in the podcast too is that it's it keeps us in that triangle, that drama triangle mm-hmm. of being the victim yes. and then also the persecutor and then waiting for someone outside of us to save us and like it's such a big part of the thing yeah I'm just like oh my goodness you know I had a client tell me the other day was really like angry with me because I was coaching and I was like that's okay you can be mad at me and they're like well I'm just an addict and I'm like oh (laughs) so now we're like 12 again right in the victim of you know and I get it like it's so much easier to blame it on being an addict than it is to take full responsibility. And I take full responsibility for all of my actions. And I did some very weird things. I mean, my bottom was bottom. I feel you girl. Very yucky, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, when I look back at at my journey and I think of, you know, I think about a lot of the things that um, I engaged in to validate and provide evidence to my core belief system you know, it's like, wow, but I, I learned how to drop out that shame and guilt around it. And the shame and guilt is what held me back for so long and kept me repeating the process. And when I finally gave myself permission to have the forgiveness, the self-forgiveness for all those skeletons over there, um, you know, it was a game changer. I also feel that it's important for me to talk about those skeletons and share those, those dark stories because it allows me to let go of the attachment to them. When you're holding them in the closet and you're keeping them a secret, it's just manifesting all of this, you know, all of this emotional trauma within the body that then presents physical disease. So in my opinion, it's a very important part of the process to face those skeletons, to applaud the skeletons, recognize the purpose that they served and then let go of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so much of the growth process is release. Oh yeah. And, and I think that that's where it gets confusing because maybe if you're listening right now, maybe the people that you're hanging out with, the only thing that's really holding that relationship together is agreeing with each other's patterns. Absolutely. Right. And I think that that's because then we're not releasing the story because if we release the story, then that means that we don't get that connection with those people. And this is like, in my opinion, how we'll change the recovery world and spaces and one family at a time is like, let those people go if they're not ready Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. stop identifying as the victim. Yeah, There will be new people that come into your life because when you hold on too tight there, there's no room to release. And then you're trying to hold it all and it's exhausting. And that's where the chronic inflammation in the body like gets out of control. And suddenly we have another thing, right? Well, and and the other thing that starts to present helps to justify the victim, victim mentality. Like why me? You know, when do I get my break? I can't tell you how many times I told myself that story. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, like, it, it, I think maybe I would love, I mean, because I want to talk to you like all day long, um, but let's talk about forgiveness because I think that that's a concept that people talk about a lot, but don't actually feel the physiology of what forgiveness is. 
I'm so curious, like what your journey to forgiveness was like. And I'm happy oh, to mine. Let me tell you, I know my audience has heard it, but uh, man, so I went through, you know, I've, I've had a lot of stuff in life. And it was really after um, I went through the divorce process where I was just so angry, so resentful, so hurt, so devastated. I, um, I was just, I kept waiting. Oh, today's going to be the morning where I'm going to wake up and feel like I can forgive. I can forgive him. I can forgive me. I can forgive all of those that were a part of it. So, you know, for years I'm waiting and waiting for the feeling to overcome me and it doesn't come. So one day I'm driving in my car and I'm listening to the radio, which I didn't typically do. So it was, it was like one of those universal interventions where I'm listening to the radio, these, these two talk show hosts are chatting about forgiveness. And then one of them says, forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a choice. And I literally almost wrecked my car. I was like, wait, what? I pulled over and I was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that this whole damn time forgiveness is a choice. It is not a feeling. And that's when I made the choice. I chose right then that I was going to let go. I was going to surrender. I was going to choose to forgive myself, forgive all of those around me. And most importantly, my ex-husband. So it was a beautiful moment. And um, I will forever be grateful for that universal intervention of just that one line being delivered that shifted my entire perspective around how to approach forgiveness. Oh, I love that. It's so beautiful. And like, especially after such a big life event, because I mean, you know, marriage for 17 years, it's like, yeah, there's so much heart opening love and making children and all of the things. It's like, oh. You know, I think for myself, one of the biggest lessons around forgiveness was what happened with my youngest daughter. So when I, after, after my divorce was finalized two years later, custody battle begins again. And, um, it was extended for another two years, got to a point where I had to make the choice and recognize that my daughter was the one suffering, that I was never going to win in this situation. It was going to continue to come at her expense and that I needed to be the bigger person, put my ego aside and step down and do what was best for her, which, you know, was really, really hard. And so after I had to surrender custody of her to her father, I held a lot of shame and guilt for having to make that choice. I felt like such a terrible mother when people would ask me about my children and I would say, well, one's here with me in California, the other's back in Missouri. And they would give me this, you know, look of like what? And the shame that, that I carried around that. And finally I had to choose. I had to say, you know what, Heather, you did what was best. You have to applaud your efforts. There's so many people out there who would never, ever, ever make that choice. And you did, and it was in her best interest. And because of that, you did a beautiful thing. Oh gosh. I mean, that's the family system healing in my opinion. And I, you know, I loved her for five years. She wasn't a a part of our everyday lives. And um, during the pandemic, once schools shut down and she had to go back to her dad's house, she called me up and she said, you know, mom, I'm ready. I'm ready to come home. 
And it was honestly the most beautiful day of my life. And just this week, she said to me, mom, can we report a, record a podcast together? I want to talk about our relationship as mother and daughter and the things, the obstacles, the challenges that you and I have had to navigate and the beautiful relationship that we have. And when she, I like a mother's dream, literally, I was just like, oh, I am so honored. I, so we're going to be recording a podcast tomorrow night talking about that. And I cannot wait. Oh my gosh, with the new moon energy and all of that, so going the time change and going into the like literal winter. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Talk about wow. releasing, releasing and allowing for new things to come in. We we're mm. ready. Yeah, so beautiful. And I feel like that's you know the reasons that full acceptance got me to forgiveness. Right? It's like I just I was the shame was so thick that accepting that that was like actual, my literal body who, who went through all of this. Cause my first, you know, um, way of escaping was fantasy, uh-huh. which we would call clinically dissociation, right? Like I dissociated from anything and everything and made up my own version of it so that I could survive as a child, right. but that stops working as an adult, right? Like you're in a reality. And, and literally just being with it, like, Amy, you did that. Those are the choices. That's all you could do. Mm-hmm. You know, every relationship you had with a man, like that's the best that you could do. That's what you knew. You know, you always had your guard up, like, you know, like really like just stating it out loud and noticing and naming it and feeling the sensations that would happen in my body. And then I forgive you. And literally watching that process like de-thaw from my nervous system. And it's, I want to be very, very clear that it is not over. It is not over. Like, you know, I do a lot of practices and even this morning I was met with a lot of resistance and like some, some closure Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, can I be with that too? There's, there's another area that I get to uncover, discover, get curious about and allow it to release. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's so much of a choice. And then there's the somatics of where we're gripping on to life, right? Gripping onto our past, gripping onto the future that hasn't happened yet. Right. And forgiveness is like, hmm, maybe I can let go a little bit more. Yeah. And then I'll grip again later that day. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think that if we as a society can start changing the conversation around all of the challenges, all of the the hardships and the big choices and things that we're faced with on a regular basis, if we can really shift our perspective and get excited about it, it, it's the energetically what it does to your physical body. And then the outcomes that you have the ability to receive are so powerful And in my opinion, this is how we get out of all of these corrupt systems in which we've been enslaved for so long, you know? Um, So I have a question for you. Mm, Tell me. When it comes to that, that core root wound, was the, was the wound around abandonment and rejection from adoption, from being surrendered, I guess is the best way to, to put it. Yeah. Surrender. My father stepped up though. So my, my father was there. Um, but yes, absolutely. 100%. And it was, that was the wound that my little body took on. Mm-hmm. 
right? So this started, you know, way before I was verbal. Mm -hmm. And then um, her, she, she was very unstable and she tried to come back and come back and come back. And every single time it was like re-traumatizing that original incident. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the first manifestation of it was constipation. Yeah. So I, I had enemas as young as like nine months old. Like yeah. they were already like forcing yeah. me and my poor little system. Can you imagine? Like, yeah. I just look at that little baby and I'm like, Oh, we were gracious. We were in the same boat. You know, um, this is something that I like to talk a lot about with, uh, recovery individuals and, and trauma is that most of us have a nervous system that gets programmed within the womb for its baseline state of survival. And when I look back at my mom's circumstances, she was 17 year old girl, you know, she was living in a household with a very codependent mother. She, her father was an abusive alcoholic verbally and physically. She had an eight year old brother that she had to be responsible for. My biological father wasn't present. He was too busy consuming substances for his own, you know, escape. And so my poor mom, I think back and I'm like, wow, you know what she must have gone through. And as a result of that, all of the chemicals that her body was producing and releasing was literally programming my nervous system for its baseline state of survival. And then at, when I was born, I immediately came out of the womb and had all kinds of issues, skin issues, allergies, constipation. They literally were having to give me enemas to promote my first bowel movement because my body could not do it. And then unfortunately, as a result of that, I struggled into my early thirties thinking that constipation was just the norm that, you know, oh. holding 10 pounds of fecal matter in my colon was just how everyone's body reacted. I had no idea that it was so deeply rooted to my, my root, chakra center and the lack of security of basic human needs being met. Oh man, I've discovered so many amazing things on this journey. And through each discovery, it allows me to let go of all of the anger, the resentment, the fear, the shame, the guilt, all of the things. And I have such a profound respect for my mother and all of the things that she has gone through. And knowing that she did the best job she could based upon what she had in inherited from her own environment really allowed for me to let go of the judgment and the criticism of her parenting practices. You know what I mean? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, our stories are so, so, so similar in that way. And, um, um, you know, my birth mom actually, um, reached out, I don't know, about three months ago mm -hmm. and, you know, I totally like, I'm just like, okay, like she's so in her patterns. And I know I never, um, I, I don't ever know, like that we'll be able to have a relationship because her patterns are so strong. Yeah. And so, you know, it, she only knows what she knows, Right. but I am not like, I can say <laughs> sitting here right now, like I do not have a response in my body anymore over it. Yeah. Because I'm just like, oh, you had some yucky, yucky things, like really awful things. Mm -hmm. And if you ever get on the other side of it, it's not 
any of my business. Right. It's just not, it's just absolutely not. And, you know, she wanted me to take responsibility for something that happened when I was seven years old in her last communication to me. And I was like, I just blocked her from everything again. Cause I was just like, I mean, her, her nervous system is stuck at that age. Right. And so she's putting that on me right. and because I've done so much, you know, healing and I can just be like, Oh, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Totally see where this is going. But 10 years ago, five, even seven years ago, when I went to find her, like there was no way I had the nervous system capacity to hold that boundary. Yeah. And so, you know, this process of recovery and choosing it over and over and over again and choosing self-forgiveness and choosing Mm self-trust, it's a constant like choice. It is. 100% a choice. And I was saying that to a client yesterday. I'm just like, it is, you know, where you're at right now, where you're landing right now is such a choice and you're, you're not making it. And so, you know what, gosh, this is such a truth statement because I find so many people choose to stay in that resistance, allowing themselves to be the victim. It serves a purpose. It validates the stories. It validates the core wounds. And unfortunately, we have to make the decision to let go of all of that, to face the unknown, face the uncertainty, and take responsibility for our actions. I know for myself that in 2018, I ended a, another <laughs> really, you know, unhealthy relationship where I had sought out another unemotionally available man and poured my heart and soul into the relationship, trying to get them to recognize all of my gifts, all of my worth, all of the value that I had to bring to the table. And when that relationship came to an end, it was a pretty devastating situation for me because this person had uh, encouraged me to completely let go of my business. He isolated me. He literally, I had nothing left. And when I, I was very suicidal. And I remember one morning sitting at the kitchen table as I'm looking out at the ocean view, living the the dream life, right? No, not so much. And I looked down at my wrist and all I could think about was wanting to go up to the bathroom, slip my wrist and bleed out as I take my last breaths and views of this beautiful scenery with so much misery in my heart. And I was heading up the steps to go to the bathroom and I hit that second step and something said to me, get out of the house, go outside. And so I listened and I left the house. I went outside and I started walking. And the further I got from the home, the deeper I could breathe, the more life I felt coming into my body. And that was when I made the choice right then. I'm never going back. I had a pair of flip-flops on, a cell phone in my back pocket, t-shirts and jean shorts, no purse, no money, no nothing. And I called up my girlfriend and I said, I'm aimlessly walking around Dana Point. I need some help. I was like, come get me. And I went back to her house, slept on her couch for a couple of weeks and then allowed myself to be the victim as much as I wanted, felt all the pain, all the suffering, all the justification And then in that moment, I realized, you know what, Heather, the only common denominator here is you. It's you. You keep drawing in, 
choosing these kind of relationships to validate your core wound, which you aren't worthy and deserving of love, girl. And uh, do you want that to be your truth? Is that truly your truth? Because if it is, then your fate is sealed. And if not, then it's time to get to work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's absolutely 100% it. And what people resist is the discomfort of actually feeling that, of being the observer of my life and going, Amy, you doing this, you're choosing this Mm -hmm. and it's uncomfortable. And what I find is that people are unwilling to hang in that discomfort because they've been numb for so long. And the world teaches us to numb yeah. even, even our, like, I mean, you know, even our systems are mm-hmm. because, because they're so corrupt and because the insurance companies and all of these things that like really determine how we recover, they don't leave room for these things to um, open up, to explore because you know, diagnostic, diagnostic codes are necessary and then medications are necessary and the medications then numb in a different way, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like you, I left treatment every single time with like all these prescriptions that I would never take, but I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, this isn't necessary. And for some people, maybe it is right. But again, my physiology was saying no, no, no. And the doctor was saying yes, until the sober living that I lived in at the last time. And I finally met someone who was like, okay, I'm going to listen to you because you seem very powerful. And I was like, it took like me convincing this beautiful man, but who's still, in my opinion, over prescribes, you know, it's so. mm. Well, and, and the thing is, is that what most people don't recognize and understand is that the overprescription of medications is so that they can code the individual as a higher level of care, which yeah. then validates a longer stay and more reimbursement from the insurance companies. And I will be very honest, I have seen so many absolutely disgusting, heartbreaking, ugly things in this industry specifically. I had no idea that, you know, with some of these recovery centers, that the owners, would literally encourage addicts to come in, get the insurance going, and then they would provide them with the drugs in order to stay in the system. And I was just so heartbroken. I can't tell you how many places I've had to walk away from because I absolutely refuse to be a part of anything of that nature. I'm here to truly help individuals recover and overcome all of these limitations that they've been conditioned to believe they have. Well, and that's where it, cause all of the agency gets mm-hmm. taken away because mm-hmm. you're, we're still giving power to the substance, right? We're still giving power to a system that's bigger than you. We're sitting in your feelings, mm-hmm. like, you know, both of us really chose to do to, to be here now right. was actually what would be, you know, 30 days of sitting in my feelings is way more effective than any medication mm-hmm. with the, you know, but everyone doesn't have that agency. Everyone doesn't have that. They do have it, right. but it's been so conditioned that, you know, listen to the white coats, listen to what everyone else is telling you. 
And I, I believe like you and I are so on the same page of like, it's a remembrance process. It's a remembering who you are at your core, even though your nervous system has been dysregulated since in utero, yeah. which so many of us have been had dysregulated nervous systems since in utero. And it's something that I still work with every day. Like my nervous system surprises me all of the time. I'm like, wow, like I'm really activated and I'm three again, you know, that's okay. Speaking to that, I have to share a recent discovery that I had had. It was a couple of months ago and I'm here at my home. My daughters are here. My, my cousin is here. My, you know, guy that I'm dating is there and we're preparing this meal and I'm in my, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so happy. And then all of the sudden anxiety overcame me so badly that I was like debilitated and I'm going, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, Heather, what the fuck is going on here, man? You should be happy. Like, why are you experiencing all of this anxiety? And then that's when I had the realization, holy fuck, the anxiety is being created by the happiness. It's the happiness that is triggering the anxiety because my subconscious is being challenged right now. And historically, it hasn't been safe to celebrate and enjoy and, and be happy because it was taken away so quickly, right? So I always had the guard up. So having that realization and being able, and then I talked about it. I said to everyone, I'm like, Oop, stop. Hey, everyone, I need your attention. Here's what I'm dealing with right now. I'm really freaking out because I'm so fucking happy making all of these tacos and sharing all of this time with you guys. My nervous system is going, this isn't safe. This is going to end tragically. And I literally had to talk it out and redirect the thoughts. And within, I would say less than 40 minutes, it dissipated and I was truly able to live in the moment, be present with everyone and embrace all of the joy and happiness. Yeah. Oh, and if you like, that's the whole thing, first of all, so beautiful. And, um, oh, like when you read my bio or whatever, I just got, I get all tingly and excited because that's what it's about. Like my work is about supporting the nervous system to expand with the good, to yeah. have it and to hold it because that's where it gets tricky in recovery. When we start to go to that next level, when we start to actually shed, you know, the victim, the victim thoughts and also the victim feeling mm -hmm. when the good starts to come, the nervous system does not have the capacity, which beautifully explained it. And I moved, when I moved into this house in Texas, I experienced the same thing. There was like seven people all like unpacking my boxes. And I stopped and I said, this is a lot for me. I've been in California pretty much alone my whole life with like, you know, beautiful men in my life and friends, but never as a conscious, sober woman, allowing so many people to give to me. So I'm very uncomfortable right now. And I just want to say that out loud. My heart is exploding with love and it's hard for me to receive. And everyone was just like, okay. And I just kind of went back on and it took some deep breaths. It took some saying it out loud. It took all of these things, but that was a massive field expansion Absolutely. in my nervous system to be like, I am safe to receive. I am safe to receive. I'm safe to receive and more is coming and more is coming. Mm -hmm. And that's what next level recovery is. That's what right. like, oh yeah, I did this for a reason. So in my opinion, that takes vulnerability and transparency. 
oh, yeah. right? We have to choose to be vulnerable, accept and acknowledge what we're feeling and experiencing, not being ashamed of it, not feeling guilty for it, having the ability to verbalize it to those that want to support us, and then allow ourselves to receive all of the things in return. So, yeah. And I mean, it feels like you might break right wide open. Oh yeah. Like you might turn into a puddle and can that be okay? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what I asked myself. I'm like, can this be okay right now? Like, I feel like I, it's too much. It, like I love, you know, especially as we were talking a little bit before we started recording um, about the divine masculine and divine feminine energy of like at my core, I am so feminine you know, just want to receive and love, like ask any of my friends my whole life. Like I am just such a fucking lover. And I masked that with alcohol, with drugs, with uh, success, with being my own boss, with being an entrepreneur for like my whole life. I started my first business in high school, like, like just all of these masculine masks, like preventing me from really being in this like beautiful, open vulnerability that is who I am, who I be, who I've always been. Right. And that takes a lot of vulnerability. It does. You know, I, I um, had a, I I recorded a podcast. I want to say it was maybe August or September of 2020 with Jake Woodard. And we were exploring the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And It was so astonishing what was uncovered in that interview for myself. And it was literally a life-changing moment. But what I hadn't realized up to that point is that I was so enthralled in my masculine as a safety measure to use control, to try to perfect, and all of these things as an attempt to not be judged, not be criticized, so that everyone would think I was worthy and deserving Mm. of blah, 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 blah. And having that moment, what we ended up discovering was that when I was in kindergarten and, you know, the whole nap time situation, well, I went over and did what I always did to soothe and, you know, relax my nervous system, which was pumping my pillow or the blanket masturbating. Exactly. And so there I am masturbating. The teacher comes over, grabs me, yanks me out into the hallway, tells me how terrible I am, calls my mother. Then I go home. My mom has this conversation with me, shaming me around what I was doing to naturally soothe. That was the only mechanism I knew how to cope with at that age. And unfortunately, that really created some serious issues around my femininity and my ability to receive. There Absolutely. was so much guilt and shame around choosing to receive pleasure. And this, this went beyond just sexual pleasure. It was any kind of pleasure in life. I didn't yeah. have the ability to receive it because I was so, using the shield of the masculine, basically you know, in order to protect myself, it served a purpose, but it wasn't the purpose that I truly desired. So I had to let that shield down. And then I just got married last weekend to my divine masculine. I feel so, so supported, so, so blessed. And I'm so excited to see 
where this journey is going to take me and how I'm able to really step into that feminine role and um, embrace all the things that are truly the core of my being. Yeah. And receive all the pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So many people are going to identify with that, you know, like, you know, masturbation and pleasure, self-pleasure, especially as small children, we don't have any idea what that really is, is something that was taken away from so many of us, you know, close your legs. You're not being a lady. And you know, I have a lot of different stories of sexual trauma in my life. And one of them is that is like, that was one of my main ways to cope, which led to all kinds of weird things with my cousins, with my brother, like da, da, da. And it's like, if people have the language around this, then we can support these small people in such a different way. And that's why sex, intimacy, pleasure, and all the things I talk about it all the time, because first of all, I'm very comfortable talking about it, but also because like, fuck, we need to talk about this stuff. Yes. Because when it's hidden, when it's isolated, that's when all this weird porn stuff starts happening and all of this, like, you know, just rubbing one out to have like a pelvic sneeze rather than to have like real orgasmic energy flowing through your body and life force energy. And yeah, like I'm very familiar with his work that, and like all of this work is just so important to the recovery spaces because we're recovering all the parts of ourselves. Absolutely. You know, one, one thing that I find extremely prevalent is that majority of the individuals who are going into recovery process have some sort of underlying sexual abuse at a very, very early age. And it really breaks my heart that we, we haven't given society the permission to talk about the why behind these things. Why are these things happening? Why, why is it coming at, you know, the reality is, is that when, when that sexual abuse is endured, it literally changes the pers the pers uh, how do I say this? Um, the projection of where that adult is going to show up. You know what I mean? And unfortunately- well, nervous systems changed forever. 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 But it we doesn't can it. Save Yeah, it. we can regroove it. You know, yeah. I, I think you, you refer to yours as like rewiring. I refer to my yeah. methodologies as regrooving. It's like, yeah. we can create a new pathway when it means hanging in the discomfort yes. to create the new pathway. And even though we're suffering in the old pathway, it's very comfortable. It's very familiar. And so just like you were staying and your, your, um, your best thinking at that time was to walk up the stairs and slit your wrist and yeah. enjoy the beautiful view while you're doing it. But then you listened to the new uncomfortable pathway and you went for a walk and then that changed your life forever. And then two years later, you have this conversation on your podcast and then bam, here he comes, right? He's there and now you're married. Like this is Re, that, that's the whole thing right there. Yeah. And you know, it's and it's still a lifetime of work for it. Right? You know, and it's funny though, because the last couple of months when we made the decision to get married, and I've kept our relationship extremely private. Like when I announced on social media that I was married, people were like, say what? <laughs> like we didn't even know there was a man. <laughs> But I wanted to give myself the opportunity to truly have the ability to cultivate a healthy relationship. Mm. And I wanted to keep all of the, you know, I, I wanted to keep it private and really do the work. And it is so beautiful what I have experienced with him. I mean, like nothing I've ever received before. And as we made that decision to get married, all of a sudden, 
the subconscious was telling me all of these stories. It's too soon. Um, this isn't right. He, you know, all, all of these stories started popping in, trying to convince me that I wasn't making the right decision. And so I had to really be proactive at recognizing what was truly happening in this moment. You know, my core fears were trying to come back and be like, Hey, no, we we're the rule players here, not you. And then have the ability to redirect those thoughts into a place that allowed me to receive what was meant to be. But it, it's a process and we have to keep going there and doing it over and over and over. Yeah, um, It's honestly one of the most beautiful gifts we can give ourselves. Bottom line is this, listeners, <laughs> you're either in an uncomfortable position attached to your pain and suffering or you choose to get uncomfortable and then release the pain and suffering and allow yourself to receive that joy. And it is a process. It does take time. We have to reevaluate our expectations of, you know, how quickly we, we receive X, Y, Z, but um, it all starts with giving ourselves permission to go there. Yeah. And I want to bring us back to, you know, where I have my most freedom was really, I started studying trauma in college. Mm -hmm. And so really giving myself permission to understand that it was my physiology, because that helped release me from my guilt and my shame. And then when I discovered parts work and started to, to discover all of my different parts, then I was able to integrate. Mm -hmm and start to, to get to know the different parts of me and the physiology that activated the different parts of me. Yes. And so if this doesn't make any sense to you right now, like my, always my best suggestion is, is like, feel mm -hmm. your way back to yourself and find mentorship, find right. guidance because Absolutely. our nervous systems will block us from doing this all day long. Like it, it just, it, I, you know, it's just like, it's not going to happen. And interestingly, like all of my mentors that had the biggest influence in me do not consider themselves in, in recovery. Mm -hmm. Like my biggest, um, even today I have like four or five coaches and they stretch my nervous system in like these massive ways. They don't understand the recovery space. They don't understand physical dependency. And that's what I want. That's what I crave because I know my stuff mm -hmm. and they, they help me expand my nervous system in different ways without the identity of the bullshit that was keeping me stuck. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. That's such a great point that you bring up. And I appreciate that. It's, you know, when you say that there are so many mentors that you've had who don't identify as being in recovery, I like, I, I personally don't really identify myself as being in recovery. I've released that whole um, attachment. And instead I try to view it as I'm in creation. You know, I'm in creation. That's what I am. Yeah. And that's what the feminine is. We're yeah. creators, right? So I mean, that's like goosebumps, all of the things. I and, and I want to remind um, the people who identify in the gender of, of, of masculine or male um, that all of us have these two energies. So just in case there was any confusion there, there's a difference between gender and then the energies of the masculine and the feminine. So we all have a creator within us. And we all have that, that rock or that structure within us as well. And getting to know these, these energies within you does provide so much freedom. Absolutely. And, you know, 
unfortunately, society for thousands of years now has really, really embraced the masculine as a whole umbrella for all. And we have suppressed those feminine energies. And now we've got a society where now even the masculine is being challenged and we're like supposed to be in this neutral state of what you know what i mean i'm like what the fuck is going on right now it's yeah oh the feminine's rising i mean oh, it's so exciting yeah it's so exciting it and it doesn't mean that the it doesn't mean that the masculine structures aren't you know necessary we're, we're dismantling we're we're, we're pulling we're pulling on strings yeah, yeah. I think that we're really in a paradigm where the toxicity around it and the purposes that the toxicity has served that have helped create all of the corruption in these systems, keeping humanity enslaved, keeping our vibrational frequencies very low, which supports us having all of the coping, unhealthy coping skills that are extremely profitable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. It's all comes. Yeah. And it, that, that would be a whole nother podcast. Well, you have to have it because that's one thing that I chat a lot with my clients is that, you know, do you want to keep feeding this corrupt system? Do you want to keep feeding it and allowing it to survive? The system is what's gotten you here. You have to choose. And in my opinion, the most vital resources we have available are our time, our energy, and our financial resources. We have to get really picky and choosy about how we want to start allocating this in order to abolish our current situation and give ourselves the permission to receive that heaven on earth, which we are all meant to live in. Yeah. And actually feel the feelings of what it feels like to be there, not to all of the feelings, not just the good ones, right? Right, Like all of the feelings to actually experience what it's like to, to, to be in a relationship with your time, yeah. to be in a relationship with your money, mm-hmm. to be in a relationship with your full expression. Yeah. You know, like that is the whole thing. Absolutely. I have a individual out there who follows me and messages me for, you know, frequently and they're, um, they're, they're pretty young, young adult, we'll call it. And it breaks my heart because this individual is just hurting so badly within and does not have permission to show emotion is taught that if they, you know, cry, this is a bad, bad thing. And I know this resonates for me because as a young child, I had so much emotion, but when I cried, my mom perceived that as a fault of her own, that, you know, she had done something wrong in order for me to feel sad and want to express this emotion. So it was suppressed. It wasn't safe to show. And as a result of that, I shut that down. I shut that sucker down for a long time and, and just numbed out. So to individuals right now listening who have been so conditioned that it's not safe to show emotion. How do they give themselves permission? Where do they start? How do they get help? help? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so good. Cause I, I'm, I still to this day, crying is not something that happens very frequently, maybe like once every six months or so. Um, 
And so I, first of all, that's not the only way to show emotion, y'all. Like all of this is, is energy in our bodies. And so one of the first things that I do, and I don't, the, the visuals that I'm doing right now is just literally shaking my body out, hip circles, right? Sweat is yeah. a way that it's being released. I'm, I sweat profusely, <laughs> like, and I'm just like, oh goodness, I'm releasing something. If you notice your body shaking a bit, uh-huh. if you don't have permission in the traditional sense to show emotion, scream in pillows. Mm-hmm. If you can't scream yet because your throat is so closed, like start writing it. Do a fear inventory every night. Like just remember that energy is energy is energy. And however it releases from your body, that's perfect. It's fucking perfect. That's and me. yeah, it, it, and to celebrate it when it happens. You know, if I shed a tear by accident on a client call, I'm like, oh my God, I think I just cried. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to challenge you because here's one of the barriers that I personally faced with learning to express emotion. Mm. It wasn't safe for me to verbally speak it. It Mm. wasn't safe for me to physically show it. And it wasn't safe for me to write it. I can remember at a very early age, my mother found my diary and then all hell broke loose. How can you think these things? And then from there, I learned it wasn't safe to write anything down because then you got the evidence and that shit's going to come back on you. So for the individual who truly, truly feels trapped, that they have no idea where to get started with learning how to embrace and express this emotion that the body is holding and carrying, how do they manage that? Mm. Well, so here's the process that I would take someone through, through the nervous system is, can we notice that energy in your body? And that might be enough. Mm -hmm. Can you just start to notice the energy? You don't have to tell anybody about it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a name for it. Right. But eventually you'll have a name for it. And this is the system that like, this is really, truly noticing that like, wow, I have sensation Mm -hmm. in my body. You're going to start to judge yourself. You're going to make it wrong. You're going to complain to yourself. You're going to try to make it stop. And my suggestion is to start very slowly. If you can hang for 10 seconds, awesome. If you can hang for five seconds, awesome. And then as you hang with it a little longer, then maybe you can name it. Maybe it has a color. Maybe it, maybe it has something to say to you. Mm -hmm. And then that's where we start to name it. Right. And this noticing and naming process will support you to just basically start to gently accept that you have sensation and that you are fucking alive. Yes. That you're alive and it's so natural and it's so normal. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, and in addition to that, one of the things that allowed for me to really help transition and, and be able to feel and express emotion was connecting with breath. Breath was something that was so closed off and I I didn't know how to live because I didn't know how to breathe. And so it just all stayed stuck. And 
learning how to embrace breath, I actually had to hire a professional and take private lessons because it was so debilitating. And there was so much judgment and criticism around why the fuck can't I breathe? Like it's a natural thing. Why can't I breathe? So that for me was um, the barrier that allowed for me to kind of step through the door and then have the ability to start exploring all of the other modalities. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to add on to that. So, you know, you said like if they're there, you're really stuck. It's my three things that I remind people of are breath, sound, movement, breath, sound, movement, breath, sound, movement. And, you know, my recovery journey started before I knew a lot, but the yoga mat, mm-hmm. you know, stepping on that yoga mat in 1999 mm-hmm. was where I got introduced to somatic experiencing and all of the other things. Not to say that I didn't use drugs and alcohol for a real long time after that still. Right. However, breath sound movement all day long. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is why sound bowls are so powerful, receiving those vibrational frequencies. Amy, this has been honestly such a pleasure to have an opportunity to chat with you and share your expertise and your own personal journey with the listeners. I know for myself, you've given me some great tips today to keep embracing and moving forward on this journey. I truly would love to have another interview with you. I think there's some things that we could dive much, much deeper into, but thank you for all of the work. How can the listeners connect with you? How can they find you? Um, everything's the same. It's at thrive in recovery with Amy. So you don't have to wonder what it is thrive in recovery with Amy and, you know, all types of recovery is important. And whether it's a broken heart or trauma or substance misuse, like it's all there. I love that you chose part of your business to be about thriving because myself, you know, with this podcast, think yourself healthy. It's taking us from surviving to thriving and it's possible. We all have the ability to do it. And truthfully, we can do it much sooner than we think, right? It's, it's a process that I think back to my journey and I just read, I just read a letter that I had written to myself in January of 2020. I just found it. It was sealed up in an envelope. I pulled it out and I was like, intuitively, I knew this damn pandemic and major changes were coming. And I'm reading this letter going, wow, I am a profound being. I am so blessed. I am so lucky. I have so much to celebrate. It was such a neat, powerful moment. And tears were coming down my face as I'm reading joy and so much emotion. It was so magical. Yeah. Letters to yourselves because they can be really powerful. Oh gosh. So powerful. Yeah. And a reminder that like trauma happens in an instant and can also be healed in an instant. Absolutely. Such a great point. Thank you for bringing that up. That is such a great point. And there's so, so much truth to that statement. Amy, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. you. Uh, Anything last minute you want to share with the listeners? I think we got it all today. I'd love to come back and like really dig deep on one of these things because um, maybe we'll ask the listeners what you want to hear more about. And Absolutely. Go from there. Yeah, that's a great listeners. Let us know what you and Amy are that myself and Amy <laughs> love to hear us chat about. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's all right. It's a day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Take good care of yourself. Yes. Thanks for joining us on the Think Yourself Healthy podcast. Make sure you leave a review and let me know what you think. I love reading your feedback. 
Come hang out with me on Instagram at Heather Duranja. And don't forget to take a screenshot that you're listening to the podcast and tag me. I love to share it. See you on the next episode.